Everybody's Injured. I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Welcome to Basketballers. The NBA Conference Finals are in full force. And everybody's injured. Yeah, as full of force <laughs> as they can be. <laughs> so basically, throughout the playoffs and the regular season, but the playoffs mainly, uh, star players have been getting injured at a higher clip than ever before. I heard a stat where um, never before have there been more than six All-Stars that year who made the playoffs injured in the playoffs. So available. So I think it's one more than one game injured. Um, this year it's 11. Yeah. It's been pretty crazy. That's bad. See, this is where the Hawks actually have an advantage because without having any all-stars on your team, the all-stars, your, your players won't get hurt because <laughs> it's only all-stars getting injured. That's really the secret sauce. The Hawks are going to win the title because they don't have any all-stars on their team. Except their therefore, star did get hurt. Yeah. So. Which just means he should have been an all-star. That's the definitive proof. I don't want to hear anything else. It's science. So we're going to start with the Hawks and Bucks. To everybody's surprise, except for mine, because I'm still going with Hawks and Six. Yeah, which is a great take right now. The Hawks... <laughs> uh, Paul's notes are hilarious because he says Hawks up 2-2, two, two, which really kind of in a way. Yeah. But, um, the Hawks and the Bucks are tied at two games apiece. The series, I'm just going to do a very quick uh, debrief of the series. It's been, game one was, Hawks came out, Trey Young was on fire, 48-11. Yeah, and 48-11 and 11 is Absolutely so insane. Good. So good. Um, they won the game. Uh, it was a close game, but they won the game. Second game, uh, complete Bucks blowout by 40 points. Oh, yeah. Game three. A lot closer. Hawks had a good chance to win, but Trey Young got injured by accidentally stepping on a ref's foot. Just total, total freak. Total freak accident in the late, in late in the third quarter. You can say woulda, coulda, shoulda, but Hawks lose game three. Yeah, Chris Middleton carried that team in the fourth. He outscored the Hawks by himself in the fourth. Yes, quarter. he did. He was just he's, he, he was balling out. He went unconscious. Yeah, shout out to Chris Middleton. That was that was awesome. But yeah, game four. No Trey Young. He's out. Hawks come out on fire. Lou Williams had a great game. Bogdan Bogdanovich had a great game. Um, Cam Reddish was great on the defensive end. Anyaka Kongu, rookie shout-out, was great shout on both out. ends, actually. Um, the Hawks were just – they just played better. The Bucks came out flat. I think they kind of thought, oh, no Trey Young, so we're going to be great. They sucked. Right. Giannis got injured. It was a scary, scary injury late in the game. Yeah, do not look um, it up. It was a hyperextended knee. I, I, came, re, I refuse to watch it. It came back today that there was no structural damage. So thank God, because that would have been terrible. So he will be okay, um, but he may not be back for the playoffs because that's a really touchy thing. That, you yeah. don't want to mess with that. You got to give it some more rest, run some more tests, make sure everything is super good. Trey Young's injury is officially diagnosed as a deep bone bruise. Which so, is crazy from stepping on a rough yeah. foot. It's possible that he comes back. Yeah, it's um, also possible that he sits out another game, yeah. two games Depending. more. Yeah. So right now it's basically the Atlanta Hawks minus Trey Young 
and DeAndre Hunter because he's been out for he's, a long he's time and he's done time. for the season. Against the Milwaukee Bucks, minus Giannis, you can also say Dante DiVincenzo because he had a season-ending injury. But um, the Bucks have a or the Hawks, sorry, the Hawks have a good shot at winning it out because the Bucks are not as deep. The Bucks. This are, was one of my yeah. The Bucks are very top-heavy. This is one of my reasons for the Hawks winning the series is because the Hawks have depth, um, and Chris Middleton has been really wishy-washy. So is Drew Holiday. Like they're just they haven't been consistent every game. No, Drew Holiday's been pretty nice. He wasn't great last night. He wasn't. No, he wasn't great last night. Um, but Middleton's been inconsistent. One game he's great. One game he's not. One game he's great. One game he's not. Right. Middleton for sure has the bigger waves. Yeah. Holiday's been up and down, but it just hasn't been as violent. He has been more consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Bobby Portis has been nice in spurts, but not overly consistent. But yeah, you're not. Brooke Lopez isn't overly consistent. You're not scared of either of those players. See, I I think they need to use Brooke Lopez more. I've been saying that for like three years, but without Giannis, post up Brooke. Like, what what do you have to lose? Well, they're probably not going to because Mike Budenholzer is still their coach, and he's yes. not a good coach. This is true. So Paul made an interesting point to me the other week. Does Coach Bud still lose his job even if they win the championship somehow? Yeah. My answer is yes. Yes. He has to be gone. They have to make a coaching change. That This team, the talent they have on it, frankly, they should be the number one seed in the East. They're, they're way too good. Um, but they should not be – I mean, they should have swept Atlanta. It's, it's kind of the worst-case scenario for Bucks fans if Budenholzer keeps his job because Giannis is out. And if ownership's like, well, you didn't really get a fair shake because Giannis went out, he was hurt, so we'll give you another chance. That would be the worst-case scenario for Bucks fans. And I think, hopefully, there would be smart enough people in the Bucks organization, which I would assume because they've made good moves over the years, to be able to also say, yes, Giannis was out. Also, also, everybody else was out. We were losing by like nine points when Giannis went out. And the- we also barely beat the Nets in a seven-game series, pretty much without James Harden and all without Kyrie Irving. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I I think if somehow the Bucks win the title, they, he still gets fired. And look, does Doc Rivers stay in Philly? Yeah, Doc Rivers stays in Philly for sure for at least another year. I, I don't think anything is in turmoil. He? Yes. I, I don't think anything is in turmoil yet. I just, I kind of like the thought of Atlanta getting two coaches fired in this playoff series run. Thibodeau's staying in New York, which, whatever. But it, it would be kind of funny if it's like losing to the Hawks. It's just like, well, guess I'm out his coach. <laughs> so, let's, because you're a Hawks fan, Paul, let's talk Hawks for a second. I want to know what your top five Hawks all time. No, what your real, <laughs> what your realistic projection for right now through the end of the season potentially is for the Hawks. The optimist semi-realist projection is NBA finals champs, which is really weird to say as a semi plausible reaction but i think they have to be favored right now i mean that's why i said the hawks are up 2-2 because without Giannis and the bucks are so top heavy i mean you're playing Bryn forbes higher minutes you're playing jeff teague maybe and atlanta just has more 
capable players. More better players. Right now than the Bucks. Yeah. Um, and Clamp Reddish came back and was locking down Middleton? Clamp Reddish. I mean... Yeah, if, 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 if Mid- you didn't see the highlights of Cam Reddish's defense on Chris Middleton, it was otherworldly. I think that was part of the reason Middleton sucked last night is because Cam Reddish was on Yeah, him. so, I mean, if Middleton is, I guess, hindered by our best perimeter defender, then where do they get buckets? It's Drew Holiday going one-on-one. It's Brooke Lopez bombing threes. It's Bryn Forbes and Bobby Portis. I just don't know where. It's a hope and a prayer. I don't know where they get it from. And the thing is, they have so the Hawks have so many players who can initiate offense. And they were passing the ball super well last night. So the weird thing about the Hawks is that they've gotten two players back this series, really. Bogdanovich has been playing before, but Bogdanovich is looking much better lately. And he's going to be the X Factor going forward, especially he's, if Trey can come back. Yeah. He's the X Factor. He's the X Factor. But Cam Reddish, or Clamp Reddish, he's, he's been looking really good, too. So, I mean, if, if that is not fool's gold, if both of those players are actually playing high-level basketball, and that gives them two more rotation players to put in there, that's where finals champs becomes plausible. Realistically, are they better than the Suns or Clippers? And that's the question. How do they well, match up against those we'll, teams? We'll say, we'll say the Suns, because the Suns are up. Well, and let me just make a caveat, or uh, an addendum, or a whatever to that right now is the Suns and the Clippers are playing as we do this podcast. It's halftime. The Suns are up in the series three, two. We'll talk about that more in a second. They can close it out tonight and make it to the NBA finals. And they were up by nine at halftime. So it's, it's, it's probable that they will win, but we'll get into that in a second. Clippers have been phenomenal and Huge shout out to Ty Lue, their coach. I'm going to talk about him in a little bit because I have some interesting yeah, a little, a little interesting foreshadowing stuff shout out. But yeah, I mean, assuming it's the Suns, sure. That it's a really interesting matchup. Oh yeah, it's a really interesting matchup. I think it goes seven games, and I'm not sure who wins Game Seven. If Trey Young is healthy. Yeah. Right. Full, that's, fully that's healthy. The, that's the that's the caveat. Like able to move healthy. <laughs> because I would also, I mean, look, I think Phoenix is a great team and we've talked about how good they are, but I do think Atlanta is a little deeper than Phoenix. They are. And it, um, but this is assuming everyone is healthy. Yes. And and look, Phoenix is good, but I do like the Capella matchup to Aiton. He's not going to get as killed as he did against Joel Embiid because they're fairly similar players. So that's yeah, kind of no, a new, Cap- that's a neutralization. Capella matches up better against Aiton than he does, yeah, Joel Embiid yeah, he got or cooked. a Brock Lopez cooked. or something Absolutely. like that. Right. So I, I think that that's a favorable matchup for the Hawks just because it kind of neutralizes it. Um, yeah. I mean, know, if, if Cam Reddish is playing defense like he is, you put him on Booker. Absolutely. And then they'll have Mikhail Bridges. Maybe they'll have him on Trey, but I'm not sure he's quick enough. So it's probably Chris Paul on Trey. Trey. Maybe Booker on Trey. Yeah, just because he's quicker. Yeah, it might be Booker. But that's but that's making Booker work on the defensive end too. That's wearing him down. That's putting what maybe Mikhail Bridges on on Bogey or Herder. Maybe Collins. I mean. Honestly, Atlanta might have the favorable matchups in that scenario. I guess Crowder would probably be on Collins. Yeah. Bridges would be on, yeah, Bogey. And then you hide CP3 on Herder, which is really not good. 
No. So, I mean, honestly, the, the matchups kind of favor Atlanta in a way. And then they go to their benches. And look, Phoenix Phoenix has a great bench, and we'll talk about them in a second too. But, yeah, I, I like – I mean that, – That's why I think it goes seven games because the coaches are going to be making adjustments. The and line, look, lineups are going to change. Where this will be a different series if Atlanta does make it to the finals, whether it's the Clippers or the Suns, um, the difference for Nate McMillan – especially in how he prepares is going to be the opposing coach because either coach will be better than any team he has faced so far. Both Ty Lue and Monty Williams are far better. Yeah. They're than far more Mike Budenholzer, Doc changes. Rivers and yep. Tom Thibodeau at making adjustments in game yep. and between games. And just side note on that. I'm really happy for Nate McMillan. He did not start the year as the head coach because he is known as he was known as like the first round exit. Nate basically with the Pacers and now he's two games away from making the NBA Finals. Like that, that title of losing in the first round is long gone. That's gone. Yep. No one, no one can ever look at him the same way and be like, "Yeah, he's a good regular season, but a bad postseason." It so. also cracks me up to watch these like big media shows on the ESPN and Fox Sports where they're like, "Oh, Nate McMillan has been one of the best coaches in the NBA for a long time," and it's like bull fucking shit. You yeah, were bullshit. saying he he signed on as an assistant coach yeah. to Lloyd Pierce. Who turns out to not be a very good coach. Yeah. But it's not because Nate McMillan was in high demand and just wanted to be an assistant coach. Well, and also, the media was painting him as first round exit Nate. That's where yeah. he got it. Yeah. And the media was giving him, well, Nate McMillan's a pretty good coach, but he always gets out in the first round. That was a media portrayal. Right. That and was I the mean, narrative made by the media. And, and now. It was, it was happening. Yeah it, was, yeah, it wasn't inaccurate. Now, I think that was more the Indiana personnel and their teams. I'm not sure that was entirely McMillan. And th- he had some faults. And there have been a few games this, these playoffs where you and I have noticed the rotations haven't. There's they've, been two they've games. Stayed, they've stayed in a little bit longer than they yeah, should have. Been... There was some runs. So game two of the New York series and game yep. two of the Milwaukee series here are the two games where I didn't think he coached as well as he could have. But otherwise, but after but it, all those games, he's made adjustments again. The and, Hawks? He, and he's coached some really good games. Last night, he played Chris Dunn and Cam Reddish at the same time. And you could see assistants on the sideline for the Bucks be like, uh, what? Who? Shit. Fuck. Both? What? What do we... Like, they weren't prepared for it. And it's just... It's adjustments like that that even though you're like, why is Chris Dunn getting minutes in the Eastern Conference Finals? And Chris Dunn actually played pretty well last night. Like, yeah. He wasn't, but, he wasn't a minus player. But sometimes you're not a minus player because it's the element of surprise. It really is. Sometimes a broken play can almost be better than a set play because it catches the defense off guard. It's basically that same principle. There's also a ton of, I mean, they could go even deeper in their bench. I mean, Solomon Hill could get more run. They haven't played Tony Snell at all. They could throw so many different guys out there. Yeah. And I mean, even if it's just for five minutes, if you win those five minutes, that's obviously a net positive. Like you're trying to win the game. If it doesn't work, you just pull them pretty quick, and they're a minus four, and whatever. You you tried it, it didn't work. Before we move on to the next series, I do want um, I want to give another shout-out, and I'm going to have Paul run this down because I know he's he's pretty proud of this, but I want to give a shout-out to Hawks GM Travis Schlenk because I want Paul to run down his draft history, starting with John Collins, um, and I'm just going to have you, the 2017 draft, I'm just going to have you say the names that he has drafted because it's pretty impressive. The Atlanta Hawks subreddit has has an acronym for this. It's called Trust in Travis Schlenk. So it's just tits. <laughs> so so whatever whatever they talk about <laughs> like 
Man, I can't believe we drafted so many good people. Their reply is just always tits. tits. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, so back in 2017, John Collins, who's been a great mid-first round pick. Yeah. 2018 is the infamous Trey Young and then DeAndre Hunter. Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. I always get them confused. Um, and then Kevin Herter later in that draft. Then DeAndre Hunter the next year. And then Aneka Kongwu the next year, this year. Those five players are a really good starting five. <laughs> like, I mean, they've, they've obviously added some other vets, and that's why they're there, like in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. But that's, that's going five for five. That's taking five swings and hitting five home runs back to back to back to back to back. Paul and I were talking about the best three-year run in an in organization's draft history, and I was mentioning Oklahoma City when they drafted three years in a row, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. That's, yep. hard, that's hard to beat. And I think Serge Ibaka was in there, too. Um, he was in the 2010 draft. He might, Yeah, maybe he was in there. So maybe he was the fourth year. Maybe he was like – maybe it was four in a row. That's, I, that's still pretty good because he was I a big contributor. But anyway, um, but this might be like the best – four-year run i mean depending on we'll have to look back in about five ten years but look i i think at least in modern history in the in the last 10 years um it's one of the best for sure yeah absolutely so yeah shout out to travis slank tits tits i like it trust in travis slank i love it no but that i mean that's part of why they are where they are yeah because they've and that's what's cool about it too is they're a young team and there's they're standing up to the pressure and not letting to phase them and a lot of that's on the coach a lot of that's on having solid vets that Travis Schlank tits has also signed. So it's just it's a well built constructed team. Also, one more shout out to Lemon Pepper Lou because Lemon Lou Williams Peppa. Lou Williams started uh, in the absence of Trey Young as an injury and put up twenty one points, I think. And Lou, Lou Will is never paying for wings at a strip club again, ever. Especially in Atlanta. This, well, yeah. And here's the deal. One reason I want Atlanta to win the championship, multiple reasons I want. I want Paul to have his team win a championship because I probably will never know the feeling of, <laughs> of, of the team that I root for winning a championship. It's the surrogate feeling. Also, that parade would be fire. It would be. After party at Magic City, yeah. baby. Oh, man. That that city would party for days. Yes. It oh, would be yeah. insane. There would just be rap concert for like two days straight. And if Lou Williams is... An NBA champ in Atlanta. Yeah, he's – I mean, I think even now he's already not paying oh, he, for wings. But, like – No, he's getting – if they win a championship, he's just getting, like, a permanent VIP booth in exactly. Magic City. <laughs> it's like the Lou Williams – He'll get a statue out front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eating, eating the wing and he's maybe like, having a basketball or something. Dude, that'd actually be amazing. He doesn't get a statue in front of State Farm. He gets a statue in front of Magic City. <laughs> that would be very Atlanta, though. That would be – That would be. It would be amazing. It would – it would totally fit the culture too. But Lou Will played great last night. He had a, a couple of great, basically Trey Young lobs to Clint Capella and, and Aneka Kongwu. Um, so, so it's yeah, it's a cool story. He had he had never started a playoff game before. He had always been the sixth. It was man. his eighty seventh playoff game, and he had never started one. He had always been a really good sixth man. So the, he was telling the story during a press conference. He was apparently getting a massage yesterday. You know, the day of the game. Uh, the coach comes in, says, "Hey, Lou." Trey's out, so I'm going to start you. And Lou's like, cool. And then the coach walks out. And that's just it. Like, it's just, hey, 
the main guy's out. We're counting on you to step up. And so you're going to start. And Luz is like, yeah, okay. Sounds good. Like, very reasonable. And that was it. It's funny because Lou, Lou in this press conference, he's like, yeah, it wasn't any remember the Titans type shit. You know, there wasn't like a big coach rally. And it was just, nope, you're going to take care of business tonight. And he did. So I'm happy for Lou Will. Oh, yeah. He started started on the Clippers, and now he's here. So, I mean. We may have a revenge revenge series revenge in the finals. Revenge series, yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Which the Hawks traded Rondo to the Clippers. Rondo has not been doing a lot for them. So, the the Hawks definitely won that trade. Yeah. And they got a second-round pick out of it, too. Yeah. So, tits. <laughs> so, we'll just do a quick, uh, brief recap of Suns versus Clips. Basically, the way that I would recap it is, the Suns are really, really good. But Ty Lu is an amazing coach. I'm going to be very brief in this because we don't want to have a super long podcast. Because, frankly, we want to watch the rest of the game. So, um... <laughs> I don't know why certain coaches don't get the same respect as other coaches. Let me give you a good example. Brad Stevens at the Boston Celtics never took them to a championship. Did They may have gotten to one conference finals under him. I don't remember if they did or not. I'm Was not even sure. During the Al Horford era? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, Brad Stevens is a good coach, but everybody's always like, oh, Brad Stevens is this amazing transformative coach, and the Celtics will absolutely win a championship because he's da 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 Yep. Ty Lue is the assistant coach to David Blatt on the 2015 Cleveland Cavaliers. They go to the finals, lose. There was a whole thing with David Blatt as a head coach, just didn't jive with LeBron James. So no. he's gone. Ty Lue becomes head coach. The next year, they win the championship. The next two years... Ty Lue takes them to the finals again. And they lose, but it's against the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant. Who which, are arguably the greatest team of all time. I mean, Bulls and them. Right. So that's And the Bulls had Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah. That, that Golden State juggernaut, just, they, they weren't going to lose were, to anybody. They just weren't so, going to lose. So good. Yeah. So, um, so he, before this year, had coached only three years in the NBA as a head coach. Had gone to the finals all three years. And he ev- has, yeah, everyone portrayed as well. You have LeBron James. Exactly. You it's, have it's the handicap of oh Kevin. Love. I mean, he's a fine coach, but he has LeBron. Da, 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 da. He had Kyrie. So this year he coaches the Clippers. Took over Doc Rivers' position. Doc went to obviously to Philly, um, and the Clippers have been really good this year. And a lot of it, I mean, you can point a lot of it back to him. He's been making adjustments. They've been changing up their defense. They've been changing up lineups. Lineups that hadn't even played during the regular season are now getting run in the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard got injured. He's been out this entire series. Their best player. And they could potentially upset the Suns in seven games. They need to win tonight, but they could potentially upset them. So this is a guy who in his first four years has gone to three finals, won one of them, and in his fourth year gone to the conference finals. Yeah, that's The worst he has done in his career has gone to the conference finals. That is a greatest of all time resume. I mean, I understand it's only four years. It's a very small sample size. But it's you still have to give him credit. So I'm going to give him as much credit as he deserves because he is obviously a great coach. Yep. Um, I'm going to say the uncomfortable thing because I think not many people like to say it, but he's a black coach, and I really think black coaches don't hardly ever get their dues because it's always the white coaches we talk about. Look at their schemes and look at this. And we always equate intelligence with whiteness. That's how it has been for 400 years. 
and oh, maybe like Mike Budenholzer is a fucking drunk idiot and he can't make adjustments. Well, he, okay. is, he is for sure a drunk idiot. There's uh, some legal receipts to back that up. <laughs> but what I'm saying is we need to take the very casual racism out of this because it's there. Ty Lue's a good coach. He's, in fact, a great coach. In so, fact, he has to be a top 10 coach in the NBA right now just for virtue of what he's done and compare him oh, to yeah. Doc Rivers last year. Yeah. Doc Rivers had a disappointing playoffs again, like he had this again. year. Again. Again, yeah, again, again. I think, I think Ty the, Lue, tide's, the tide's turning on Doc Rivers. Yeah, I don't. we can hit that in another pod because that's yeah. a longer subject. But Ty Lue is um, – he's also uh, – a really interesting stat I saw is Ty Lue now has the best record in elimination games. He is 10-2 yeah, in he's, elimination he's games. He's really good in elimination games. Um, so that shows that he knows the game-to-game and in-game adjustments. So, yeah, shout-out to Ty Lue, but I do think there is a, a broader problem with us equating intelligence with whiteness. I think there are a lot of great black coaches that are super smart. Nate McMillan is obviously one of them. Well, yeah, I mean, three of the, um, three of the four coaches left are black coaches. Which is great. Assuming the Hawks can beat the the Bucks, it'll for sure be a black coach in, on both teams in the finals. As it should – and not as it should be, but, like, it's, it's nice to see that – because again, we talked about it early on in our podcast how we need to hire yeah, more black there's, coaches. There's a there is show an entire podcast it. titled "Hire More Black Coaches." Yeah, and and it's just, I mean, you don't just look. You don't just hire a coach of a certain anything to just hire a coach of a certain anything. But the the NBA is predominantly black, and there are so many good um, candidates for coaching jobs that are black. Yep. That's just that just is what it is. Uh, and I'm not saying there aren't great white coaches, obviously, but they're just uh, – I think oh, it, it was like six out of the 30 or seven out of the 30 teams were black coaches. It should not be that low of a percentage. It shouldn't be 25%. And we're getting real close to our first female head coach too. Yep, we real, are. And real close. I hope it happens this year. I'm, I'm now a little skeptical it will happen. But, um, but anyway – I'm really happy for Ty Lue. He there, again, there needs to be this the stigma of whatever needs to stop because he's a good coach. Oh, he, absolutely. he's a great coach. I mean, given what he's done this year, top five in the league right now. Well, we have to do it. We, 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 we have, may we have, have to redo our coaching. We rank. have to redo. I, he may be top five. I don't know how hot of a hot take that is. I mean, Chris Finch is obviously number one. No, All right, Nate McMillan's obviously tied for number one. I mean, he, he might. That's not necessarily controversial. I mean, I, I would actually. So, so right now, I mean, three out of the four head coaches left. I think you could argue they're all top five coaches. I think you could argue, make the argument that Ty Lue, Nate McMillan, and Monty Williams are top five, at least top seven coaches, probably. Right. Yeah. Greg Popovich still coaches in the league, so like it's he's kind of the honorary. Yeah, you just, but like you Rick Carlisle's gone gone from Dallas. So, I mean, is he a top five coach anymore? I, probably not. I think we're going to find out a lot about Rick Carlisle next when he year. Goes, yeah, so Rick Carlisle got a job in Indiana. Um, we're going to find out a lot about him. And then, you know, Eric Spolstra, the Heat were yeah. a little disappointing this year. Um, no, he's he's probably still he's you, probably you still, the five. You still get that legacy. Oh, so, yeah. so that might be the top five. Then you have, like, Michael Malone, who's a really good coach. Malone definitely gets. Um, obviously, Steve Kerr is a great coach. And Kerr, yep. Um, but... That might be like your top tier. Nick Nurse, obviously, but the Raptors suck this year. So, yeah, I mean, and you can make different arguments for all those different coaches, sure. but 
if we're, if we're just Walton, doing it based on top tier coach, if we're just doing it based on tiers, yeah, they're all up there in the top tier for sure. So, yeah, shout out to all those coaches. But um, what are your thoughts? Any thoughts on the Suns clips before we wrap that part up? I have I have one thought. Chris Paul has been. He's only played in three of the five games that have been completed so far. Do you have any guesses as to what his plus minus is in those three games? So I'm pretty sure he's a minus in the three games, and I don't know what it is, but I know that's what you're getting me to talk about. He's not only a minus. He is a minus 27 in those three games. That is decidedly not good. They have been not good with Chris Paul back in the lineup. He is a plus five right now. In this game. For tonight. Okay, so now he's only minus 22. There you go. So far for this. That's still bad. I'm not saying I'm not saying bench Chris Paul because Chris Paul is really good. No, and it's also, it's all it's a lot of things. It's Reggie Jackson has been a monster for the Clippers. It's the Clipper, the Suns had to play without Chris Paul for those first couple of games. So it's been an adjustment coming back in. Yep. I mean, um, he's, he's scoring yeah. in the completed games. 18.3. He has nine assists per game, 1.3 steals, 2.7 turnovers. That's not bad. The bad part, his field goal percentage is 31.7%. That is bad. But he is he is just shooting the ball poorly. He you can even kind of see it. He's a little slower on defense. He's getting cooked a few times. But the good news about that is if he's shooting 31% for this series in the finals, he's not going to shoot 31%. That would be surprising no, if he just, kept shooting that. It's just an interesting tidbit. I, It's one of those things where by no means am I saying you should bench Chris Paul because of this. Because he's been fantastic otherwise in the playoffs. Yeah. But, I mean, the minus 27, now minus 22 in real time, that's just bad. Like, yeah, if, it's not great for sure. If that was a, a bench player, if, I mean, like if Jay Crowder was minus 27 through three games for them, they're probably starting Cam Johnson instead of Jay Crowder for a game. Absolutely. But Chris Paul obviously has a legacy. It's to the legacy. It's just, yeah. He needs to be better because he's going to be playing. And if he is playing poorly, he will drag the team down with him. So I have a, I have kind of a good like media question for you. If the Phoenix Suns win the championship, do you think Chris Paul is the finals MVP just because of legacy? I do. Unless he plays atrociously and Devin Booker yeah. is like on fire, but I, I think he is. I think you're right, and I kind of hate that. I kind of hate too. how it's like, if LeBron James is in the finals and they win, he's getting it. It doesn't. LeBron James will be 50, and he'll still get finals MVP riding the bench the entire game. It's the same thing with Chris Paul. I think just because of who he is, unless Chris Paul has like 14 turnovers a game and Booker is scoring 50 a game, then Booker gets it. Right. I think if everything is fairly equal between the two of them, then Chris Paul gets it. Me too. I just yeah. I thought I'd ask that question. No, I mean if Aiton scored, yeah, forty points, it would still go to Chris Paul. Here's here's another just fun. So here's another fun little Finals MVP question. Because I was thinking about this this morning. I always think about things like when I go to sleep or when I'm like whatever basketball things come into my head. And I was thinking, okay, if Trey Young doesn't come back at all in the postseason, which I don't think is likely. He'll come back if they make the yeah, finals. Yeah, I think especially if they make the finals, he'll be back. But if they make the finals, let's say Trey Young doesn't come back, and let's say the Hawks win the championship with no Trey Young. This is okay. This is do, not going to happen. This is like do, fan fiction. Do they trade Trey Young? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Does Nate McMillan get the finals MVP? 
even though he's not a player? <laughs> <laughs> or do they have to award it to a player? <laughs> I, they're going to award it to a player. <laughs> They'll award it to whoever's gone off the most. Of course, case. I'm just saying, like, Anyway, that was just kind of a fun little thing. Like, could they <laughs> the, somehow subvert the rules to make Nate McMillan? McMillan? No, I mean, and honestly, if the Hawks win, it's going to be Trey who gets Finals MVP. Absolutely. Unless it's something atrocious. Unless he has more turnovers and assists and bogey or someone goes off for 40 a game. But it's just, it's just the history of these playoffs. It's all been Trey. Or Trey just, like, stops taking a lot of shots, feeds John Collins because John Collins is his best friend and John Collins becomes finals MVP and the Hawks have no choice but to max him. Three-dimensional chess, baby. Three-dimensional chess. I will live in that fan fiction every day. <laughs> I don't care. Also, also, if John I, Collins is finals MVP, Paul will have, like, he'll probably cry. <laughs> Tears of joy. I don't I don't cry a lot, but... uh, That might be it. Be a little, little tearjerker. Okay, so, anyway. Matt, Matt's got me hyped up. Yeah. Um, all right. We need to probably wrap it up here in a little bit because we need to go watch some basketball. Speaking of watching basketball, the game tonight's on ESPN. And we just want to say, as we've said many times in the past, fuck fuck ESPN. ESPN. God, they're garbage. They are the worst. And I know I've given love to my girl Doris Burke in the past, but she's gotten kind of not great either. She seems to have like... She wasn't adopted great more the, of the ESPN personality. The, the Hawks and Knicks series. I'm willing to give her a second chance. Absolutely. She's really good in general, but like she was, they just show that they show the large market bias, which again, Paul's made this point, like Atlanta is a large market and they should be a good basketball city. That's another story. But, um, so here's my big problem right now is we've talked about it a lot before, but Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson should be off the air period. They are terrible. They are, frankly, detrimental to the game of basketball currently. And yes. I don't think the league understands how much they could affect the casual fan or even non-fan who's like, oh, the NBA Finals is on. Let me check out a game. They turn it on, and there's these two fucking old dudes who are talking absolute shit about these players now. They're terrible. And da-da-da-da-da. And the game isn't like it used to be. And they're like, what yeah. the fuck is this? I'm turning it off. Yeah, let's, let's say we're watching a finals game over at your place. Your wife's watching with us because, well, there's a, one TV and we're all in the same room. Sure. And so she's going to listen to that. She's going to be like, wait, this is the finals, right? These are the, the two best teams? We'll be like, yeah. So why are the commentators complaining all the time? Don't they like basketball? Like, that, those are very reasonable, valid questions that will come out from their commentary. It's just, it's so bad to listen to them say oh, the game's gotten soft and it's gotten weak and that's not a foul. And it's just... So game five five of the Suns-Clippers series, there was a um, flagrant foul. An altercation. Altercation on Chris Paul from... Was it Pat Beverly? Yes. And... Shocker. Um, (laughs) Anyway... Pat Beverly. (laughs) But uh, Jeff Van Gundy was so pissed off that it was a flagrant foul. And he started going off and goes, I hate the sissification of the game. That's a lot to unpack because not only is it disrespectful of the game of basketball and the current status of the NBA and all of its current players, all of its current players and all of the organizations, it is homophobic. It is anti-trans actually 
even if he doesn't mean it to be, it is bigoted. And it paints this whole picture that people have to be macho men, this whole like masculinity bullshit complex. Let me just paint you a picture. Jeff Van Gundy has a Friar Tuck balding head, is about 5'6", and is a fucking old white dude. He is not the picture of masculinity. The guys who go out on the court and play for the NBA are talented athletes. Masculinity and all that stuff shouldn't have fucking anything to do with it. They are strong. They are gifted. They have finesse. They have skill. It shouldn't matter. That shouldn't even be a factor. Are there guys in the NBA that could absolutely fuck you up? Yeah. How about we put Jeff Van Gundy in a cage match with Steven Adams? How would that work? Anybody in a cage match with Steven Adams. That's my point. Just because the game is played with more finesse, and frankly, this might be a hot take, but more overall talent than has ever been. Better shooting. No, I don't even think. I don't think that's statistically better shooting than there's ever been. That's a. The game flows better than it ever has. The reason that there are more more points scored is that the offensive players now, or the offense in general, it's just more talented than it used to be. They still play defense in the NBA, but you can't hit people anymore like you used to be able to. And there's just this whole notion of, like, if you can't hit somebody, then it's not good defense. No, I mean, a lot of it's just sort of elitism, too. It's it's the typical old man just like, well, this is how we did it back in my day, and it's better than whatever you're doing. Also, Jeff Van Gundy coached the New York Knicks in the 90s, and they were beastly teams. But he almost got into a fight. Like, there was a fight that broke out, and he, like, went on the court and tried to take a swing or something, and then someone tried to come at him, and he freaked out and, like, ran and grabbed a player's leg. So, um, Jeff Van Gundy is – I'm not going to use words on the podcast that I would normally use because maybe a little too far, but <laughs> but fuck Jeff Van Gundy because – Yeah, just, just because it's different doesn't mean it's worse. Also, I was saying this to Paul, and I think a backdrop and, and, and kind of kind of what people need to understand about Jeff Van Gundy is – He's also bitter because he keeps trying to get head coaching jobs and keeps, nobody wants him. Every, every nobody year he, wants him. Yeah, every year he's he, in. He's a finalist or he's in the conversation. It, it's always and, rumored. ESPN puts out the news article and it's like, Jeff Van Gundy is in the running for this job. And every year he never gets a job, so he's bitter because you know what? He can't. He he can't make it anymore in the NBA. And especially after that comment, there's absolutely no way a current NBA franchise. Why would they give him their head coaching reins? Because here's no. the deal. Any more head coach is a collaborative position. Yeah. You game plan, but you also work with your players. You're the leader, but you work and, with your players. And players hear this stuff. So they're going to be like, cool, you hired this coach to lead us. Who called who, us a bunch of sissies. Who doesn't agree with yeah. how the game is played. Is just completely out of touch with this, you know, like the new modern styles of how we're playing the game. You know, how offenses work now. How defenses work. He would be a terrible coach nowadays. No, he's just living in the glory days of when you could, you know, hand check and I mean, push he's a, a terrible analyst, so he'd be an even worse coach. But ESPN needs to have their NBA contract taken away. They should not be doing games. Shout out to Mike Breen. He's awesome. Breen's Shout great. out to Rachel Nichols. She's great. She's great. Zach Lowe's cool. Um, Woj is cool. Yep. Besides that, fuck ESPN. They do a terrible job. TNT does a far better job. Their analysts, look, the inside they're, the NBA crew, Shaq and Chuck will talk, oh, back in our day, but they they make fun of it. They have yeah. fun with it. No, and they also yeah. give players their dues. Like, how amazing is this player? How amazing is that player? Oh, and I've they, never and seen they enjoy like giving them the yeah. dues, too. It's not like 
reading off a stat sheet. Oh, wow, this player did really good tonight, I guess. They're, they're excited about the modern NBA. Very excited. And Which so, is what your product should be. If you're trying to sell something, you should have people who are excited about it. As money-hungry as the NBA is in general. In all sports I, leagues. Yeah, but like the NBA, and when I say money-hungry, I mean like, why is the NBA basically cool with China <laughs> and the stuff that China does? Because they see the opportunity. And look, I get it. Um, from a financial perspective, they have the opportunity to really grow their brand. And so I get it. Yeah. So why does the NBA not look at, holy shit, the broadcasts fucking suck. Can you imagine? So I don't know if I've ever said this idea on our pod. Have I? The idea of what I think they should do for broadcasting. Oh, we've ranted about this a few times, but let's go over it again. I think maybe I've said it, so I'll just be very brief. What I think should happen is, I first of all, I think Turner or TNT should have the whole contract. They do the best job at producing the games. They do a really good job with inside the NBA. That's the cornerstone of all NBA broadcasting. But I think they should give the games to the regional broadcasting crews currently. The crews that do it for the regional uh, cable networks, for the teams, they're the best at what they do. And, yeah, we've or, given shout-outs before. Even do it in partnership with them. Yes. Have like yeah. Two, have, like, two main TNT, like, a, a main color and a main sure. play-by-play. But then be in the same booth as the home team's you know, play-by-play and color commentator as well. Have it, have them team up for it. Or have the TNT people do marquee games and then give the regionals all the other games. Because if, if like TNT can... only had, if they're the only ones who had the contract, they could do a huge streaming thing. I've said this before. I don't know why I said Turner doesn't latch onto this because they could create a new streaming platform for the NBA that's not League Pass and that's well, they, better. They make the current product. I mean, I know, but they could do something better if they had, I, I think. Yeah. I just well, think they're kind of phoning it in. Oh, oh, they're absolutely so. It. If that, they had that the, product's on life support. If they because I think a lot of it is, I mean, give TNT the finals again. The finals should not be on ABC. See, I think ESPN. the finals should be on ABC because that way it gets out to more people. You want it on one of the over-the-air channels. Just make the product better. Yeah. Or maybe put it on Fox. Does TNT go with CBS or something? There's a channel that I think TNT maybe works with. I don't know which one. If there's a major network TNT works with, then it should be on that. That's my whole thing. Because like ES- ESPN is ABC is whatever. Put, put it on PBS. Hey, that'd be awesome. That would be pretty dope, actually. The NBA Finals on PBS. Um, <laughs> anyway, Sponsored by viewers like us. I was going to talk about officiating, but there's not enough time. Um, short, short story short. Long story short. The officiating has been bad this year in the NBA. It's been very inconsistent, and we're going to break down a lot of stuff in a future episode because it needs to be talked about, and there needs to be some changes in officiating. That's what I'll say right now. Yes, just from a very high level, it's been inconsistent and just kind of overall bad. And inconsistent in games, like inconsistent from play to play, from team to team in one game. Not just like inconsistent from game to game, like – Two teams here, this game was called, another game, this thing wasn't called. No, it's in the same game, even plays right next to each other. So it needs to change. Yep. I mean, we were just watching the game six of Suns vs. Clips, and we thought it was a pretty obvious flagrant foul, got called a common foul. Uh, People were kind of disagreeing about it in the booth. I'm sure they were online too. And just things like that where it's – it seems like a very textbook definition of a flagrant foul, and it just wasn't called a flagrant. Right. And just, you need you need some consistency on it. 
Yeah. You're going to follow the rules. Also, quick note, even though Giannis is out, there's a very basic rule. You get 10 seconds to shoot a free throw from the time you catch the ball to the time you shoot the ball. It's like how there's a three-second defensive um, violation yep. in the lane. Yep. Think of it like in football they have the play clock. In basketball you have the shot clock. It's like that, but the shot clock is 10 seconds. They just don't put it on the actual shot clock. Giannis has always gone over 10 seconds. It's normally 12 seconds is his routine. And the NBA just doesn't call it. They just don't care anymore. So when you start having rules that don't matter and rules that do matter, that's when you get in the murky area. And you just, if you have a rule, you have to enforce it. Make the player, I mean, abide by the rule. It's really pretty simple. Or they get penalized. Yeah. Well, here's an easy fix, Paul. Put it on the shot clock. Yeah. That would be an easy fix. Honestly, 10 seconds is a long time. Most players don't even take five. Right. If you want to speed up the game, make it a six-second shot clock. Put it up there. You can shoot a free throw in six seconds. Absolutely. You're a professional basketball player. You don't need three dribbles, two handshakes, a little, like, multiple shimmies. Just shoot it. Anyway, that was a brief rant about officiating. We, um, we, we got a lot of anger out in like two minutes. Yeah, it feels one. good. So we're going to watch the end of this game. Uh, Thanks for listening to our therapy session. We're, we're going to report back soon uh, on probably we'll, we'll probably wait till the finals are set. We'll do a we'll do a finals preview. And then um, we I can't promise that we'll do every game of the finals like we did last year. It would be ideal if we can. It's kind of hard. Um, but we'll do our best to do as many games, uh, game recaps of the finals as we can. So until then, I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Thanks for listening to Basketballers.